Hello, Managing Madrid Podcast listeners. This is your host, Kian Sabani. Shortly, I'm going to be joined by Matt Wiltsey to break down what ended up being a very fun game, but above all, a very important victory against Sevilla. Before we get to all that, I just wanted to kindly point to your attention all the content you missed this week if you weren't a patron. This week, Matt and I did a historical podcast where we rewatched and broke down Real Madrid's 2-0 win over Barcelona in 2006. In a game where Robinho stole the show in attack, the brutal emerson Mahamadou Diara double pivot took away Xavi and Iniesta's space. And on the flanks, we had a bunch of fun matchups, Sergio Ramos owning Ronaldinho, and a young Lionel Messi absolutely torching Roberto Carlos on the opposite side. It was a fun game. Then, Lucas Navarrete and I did a mailbag to answer all your Real Madrid questions, plus perhaps the most anticipated podcast we've done in a long time. Eduardo Alvarez joined the show to provide you all with a guide to the city of Madrid where to stay, where not to stay, how to buy tickets, how to get a hold of secret discounted socio tickets last minute, where to eat, where not to eat, how to behave at the Bernabeu, etc. If you want access to all that, make sure you go to patreon.com slash managingmadrid. We're only doing one free show per week now, and it's this one on the weekend. The rest are all on Patreon. The next one is on Tuesday, where Matt and I will break down the performances of all the loanies, and we already have stuff to talk about because Erling Haaland... Ashraf Hakimi's new teammate is already scoring hat-tricks for Dortmund. Jorge De Frutos and Andre Lunen are already getting minutes at their new teams, Rayo Vallecano and Real Oviedo, respectively. And there's going to be so much more to talk about before this weekend is over. So again, patreon.com slash managingmadrid. Tune in. You won't regret it. And without further ado, here is the post-game show. Let's go. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. Wonderful lads that do a great job there. Hello and welcome to the Managing Major Podcast where we are recording this shortly after a Casemiro brace gives Real Madrid a hard-fought victory against a feisty, defensively sound Sevilla side on a day where there were a ton of talking points, tactical wrinkles, homecomings for Lopetegui and Regulon, and joining me, Kian Subani, to break it all down is Matt Wilsey. Matt, how you doing? Kian, doing well as always. And yeah, I, I'm right off the bat, I want to give a shout-out to Casemiro because he put the team on his back, scores two goals, Nearly had a third, nearly got the hat trick. And if he got the hat trick, I think we had to give him the number 10 for the next match. There will be plenty of plenty of time for Casemiro swooning um, in this podcast, I promise you. Um, <laughs> huge, huge brace in a, in a game where otherwise the offense really just wasn't flowing. So one thing that I, I was thinking about going into this match is something that I have a, a bit of recency bias. Maybe it's not just recency bias. Maybe it's a, it's a longer sample size than that, but... Sevilla on, on their last 13 trips to the Bernabeu, I think it's 13 including today, 12 preceding, preceding this one, they have not won. And in fact, I've lost all of them. And the ones I have in my recent memory, and I've, and I've been to the last couple at the Bernabeu when they play against Sevilla, not this one today, but um, there is also like a clear domination to me where Sevilla completely, they regressed from their sanchez Pijuan form. They sit in deeper blocks, they, they focus less on controlling and more about defending, and ultimately they collapse. I thought Lopetegui got it right today, where like his 
his previous predecessors who came into the Bernabeu coaching Sevilla got it wrong. And I'm curious to know if you felt the same way. And if you did, what did you see that he did that was conducive to Sevilla getting a result today? I did, especially in the first half. I thought um, the way Sevilla controlled the match in the first half was just, it, it was quite simply a tactical masterclass from Lopetegui. He had the four, so he had uh, Benenga, Fernando, um, Franco Vasquez, who was technically playing on uh, Sevilla's left, but he would come centrally and drop in almost like the Isco role. And then uh, I'm going to butcher this guy's name, this, this Serbian player they picked up from Sporting, uh, Gudolj, I guess that's how it's, you say it. It's Gudeli. The, the J Gudeli, is, okay. a- according to the broadcast, it's Gudeli. Yeah. Okay, interesting. <laughs> Gudeli, yeah. So I thought they did a superb job in the first half of just controlling the midfield. I mean, Cruz, Modric, and Casemiro in the first half were very, very quiet. Modric was probably the best of the bunch, but... Even him, he was he was quiet, and I thought that was because Sevilla had total control. Um, they really hounded Casemiro on the first half. Every time he tried to pick up the ball and build out of the back, they hounded him. And uh, I just thought they they circulated the ball well. They found the wings. They found Reguilon quite a bit. And um, I just thought I was really really impressed with how they controlled the match in the first half. So that and that breaks into a lot of other discussion. First of all, the Casemiro cross Modric trio hasn't looked good in a long, long time. And by a long time, I mean like two years maybe. Um, so you had them out today and you you clearly felt Fede's absence. And instead of going the other route where you could replace Fede with another midfielder who can help you control the game, maybe break the lines a bit, Zidane went with Lucas Vasquez. So um, that decision on its own, <clears throat> I'm not entirely sure if it was a reaction to Sevilla's emphasis on playing down the flanks or maybe he would have played this game anyway. Uh, Zidane said after the game that Bale and James just were not physically ready to to be in the squad, let alone play. Um, so Lucas Vasquez starts, and we already know that Sevilla this season have literally emphasized everything through Jesus Navas and Sergio Reguilon. We've covered it extensively in the loan tracker. Um, so this could have been just Zidane's response to Lopetegui, um, Lopetegui's tactics, and we know that it's not entirely a secret that Zidane scouts the opposition and can be a bit reactionary to what the other team is doing. I thought the fact that both teams were so so kind of focused on closing each other on the flank that they actually canceled each other out. It kind of reminded me a little bit, again, in the derby at the Wanda earlier this season where it was just like back and forth between like Nacho, Lodi, Trippier, and I believe it was Carvajal who was the fourth one in that game, that they just kind of canceled each other out and they, they packed the flanks. This one was even more extreme in that Carvajal and Regulon would kind of just go back and forth and dispossessing each other. On the, on the opposite side, and by the way, Lucas Vasquez, like interestingly enough, actually played quite narrow in this game. In the, he was involved in the half spaces on offense and defensively played narrow where Regulon was actually open on a few crossfield switches. Um, and then the, on the opposite side, Marcelo and Kroos really were taken out of the game because there were so many bodies there and they were they were stifling Real Madrid's build-up coming out of the back. And then anytime Jesus Navas would get the ball on that side, um, or Munir would, they had no outlets and they had no opportunity to, to switch it and Real Madrid would suffocate that flank. So to me, it was just kind of two teams canceling each other on the flanks and really actually both playing well defensively, punching each other back and forth defensively and not being able to create much. 
Yeah, I think that, I mean, that's a perfect synopsis. And I think, uh, I, especially because that, that left flank, you mentioned, it was so quiet. I mean, I can't remember really anything that Cruz or Marcelo or Rodrigo brought in that first half. I mean, I think Rodrigo had a couple good touches in tight situations. But aside from that, really, really quiet. And uh, and then on the right, Real Madrid's right flank, it was just, it was battle after battle with Reguilon. And he, I mean, he would win some. And then you're, you make your point that Carvajal would win some or Lucas Vazquez. And uh, it was just, yeah, it, 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 both teams kind of canceled each other out. And it, it was a, it was a really, I mean, back and forth half until that goal went in, which Luke De Jong scored on the corner kick. What, what was your, what was your opinion on that? Did you think it should have been ruled out or no? Yeah, it's a foul. Yeah, I, I thought so too. I think uh, you could see. How do you say his name again? One more time, Gudelje. <laughs> Gudeli, according to Goodelli, the, the Goodelli, Liba, okay. La Liga TV broadcast. Yeah. <laughs> so Gudeli, I think you saw him kind of look at Militao and make that step in. Um, and that's what, for me, made it a foul because he, he had intention. Yeah, you could see and it in the body language even, where he intentionally yeah. wanted to stop Militao. Yeah, yeah. and Militao, I, I think Militao should have probably done a better job of uh, looking both ways. But besides that, yeah, it, there was definite intention there. It was, uh, I, I mean, I don't, the, I think the referee stuff is actually the least interesting part of this game. But for the sake of getting it out of the way, because somehow um, Lopetegui, his the first seven questions of the press conference were about referee and bar <laughs> towards Lopetegui. And Zidane was also asked about it too. And Lopetegui surprisingly said that he didn't, he had no idea what the ref was seeing. And um, I I thought it was really clear that it, and, but, and then the, the Munir one was also like, I'm okay with not getting that called because everyone's going to be like, Oh, the new, the new handball rule. And like, this is what it is. First of all, the new handball rule, it's like, it sometimes gets implemented and sometimes doesn't. And if I'm just saying like this as a fan of football and um, not necessarily a Real Madrid or Sevilla fan or whatever, Munir's like has no idea what's happening when the ball's hitting him all over the place. He's on the ground. I don't think it affects the play. Really, it gives him an advantage. So I'm okay with that not being called. But um, where were we? What we were talking about the referee? What what were we talking about before that? I think you were onto something about. About the goal. Oh, you said when when uh, when Sevilla scored that disallowed goal. If things had changed up until that yeah, point, yeah, yeah. And Lopetegui mentioned it in his presser. He said that that would have been great mo- momentum for them going into the right uh, halftime and kind of giving them that edge and giving them that confidence. And obviously, it took kind of uh, the wind out of their sails. And so that's that that really was. It, it, I, I again, I agree. It was the right call, but it was fortunate for Real Madrid and. Um, I think it mentally kept them in a good place, and going into the half, going into halftime, I think Zidane did a good job of getting the team in the right place mentally. They looked a lot more aggressive, and I think um, especially Casemiro. I mean, we'll probably get to swooning over him, but I think he did a tremendous job at just hounding Sevilla, winning the ball high up in the pitch, and just really, really putting the pressure on them, which made which made the difference for Real Madrid. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think we'll talk about the second half too. I just want to say, like, of all games for Luke de Jong to step up, it's got to be this one, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, seriously. <laughs> He's been putting up dud after dud, um, although really good off-ball movement, but goals have just been a complete scarcity for him. I thought heading into halftime, 
I think something needed to change. I don't know what it was, but I knew that a deadlock needed to be broken for someone to budge out of their shell a little bit. Um, Zidane did not go with any of his bench options coming out of the half. Um, although I think a certain Isco would have solved a lot of problems. Turns out Vinicius solved a lot of problems. Sheer, I, I, a lot of that had to do with because Sevilla were losing by the time he came in, which gave him a lot of space that maybe he otherwise wouldn't have had. But um, it turns out the option, the the answer wasn't Isco, wasn't Vinicius, wasn't Benzema. It was Casemiro going into God mode. Um, oh, first of all, let me just rewind this, rewind a bit. Jovic got a lot of criticism in this game. Did you do you think that's fair or not fair? Um, I I think Jovic is still struggling to find kind of how he can fit into this Real Madrid team and this Real Madrid system. Uh, he's we know we know he's a player that relies on service and he relies on players getting him the ball inside the box and him making those runs inside the box and being found. And fortunately for Real Madrid, they really just couldn't get into the... They didn't have many moments where they could provide service, especially in the first half. And so I think that's a major reason why he struggled. And he's... Obviously, he can get isolated at times. I think, again, he has some good link-up play, some good one-two touches, even when a defender's on his back. But, I mean, you do want to see him try and get more involved. You do want to see him... um, feel like he's got more of a protagonist role in this team so I think that's the frustrating thing I get that I get that for fans I think we're all supporting him but I get that some people may want to see more from him but hey I mean he did it again he produced one moment of magic where uh, he pulls off a back heel which sets up the first goal for Casemiro and uh, Casemiro afterwards said it was a it was a pass from a movie and I love the fact that Casemiro kind of pointed to him Pointed to Jovic at, at the celebration. Uh, I'm sure that will give him some confidence. Yeah. Um, he also had an, an assist against Valencia, too, to end the game. I think he's been... I don't think he's been as bad as people suggest. I think in a game like this, of all games, like to criticize him, the last couple of games, he's had no service. And the one against Atleti, the game today, Real Madrid just had build-up issues, and they weren't getting the ball into the final third to create chances. And if you look at kind of the dominoes leading up to him not getting involved, it's that the only offense Real Madrid had going until Casemiro scored was Modric taking it upon himself to dribble past a couple people, break some lines, um, and then and then beyond that, he could either find Lucas Vasquez, who either miscontrolled it or would just find himself surrounded by defenders. Or he'd get, or Rodrigo would get the ball. Rodrigo, he was isolated, but and his passing and transition just was not good at all in this game. Yeah. Um, especially in the second half, he had two complete shocking passes in transition, and overall just didn't get going. And then Jovic was even more isolated because no one could get him the ball from those situations. So he took it upon himself, at least for that, for the for the opening goal where he came back and he had kind of that whatever you want to call it, the back heel to Casemiro. Um, sure. Can I throw? Can I throw some cold water on that? Can I? I don't know if listeners are gonna get mad at me or not. Do you think we over exaggerated how good that assist was? Because part of me looks at that, and in like I think nine ninety five times out of a hundred, all that is is just a pass to a very tightly marked Casemiro, going nowhere. In this particular um, moment, Casemiro ch- makes something out of it, gets in between two defenders, and finishes from an acute angle. 
uh, I think just like most cases, that's just that's just a pass that gets forgotten and no one ever thinks about it. It was a good assist, don't get me wrong, but I just thought sometimes we went over the top with it. Uh, I don't know, because I think it takes to be aware of the because he was facing obviously the opposite way, and so to be aware of the run Casemiro is making, pull off the back here without it like hitting one of the defenders, and he Casemiro actually had two guys eventually on him, so it squeezed through two guys. I just think kind of the ingenuity, the creativity, the awareness to pull off that pass. I think I think it deserves I think it deserves a good amount of credit. Okay, I will lean towards your take because I love Jovic a lot and I want him to succeed. <laughs> um, so then the Casemiro party starts. So what's interesting about Casemiro in this game is that um, this was this was a classic game where Real Madrid had trouble scoring and trouble creating at all and. Casemiro's four shots was joint top with tied with Kroos for the most shots of anyone on the field in this game, which kind of tells you where the offense of both teams were essentially. Um, but man, th- the second goal was—I mean, it was a great goal, great finish. He was completely unmarked. I don't know what Sevilla were doing defensively, but that first goal was the way he took it was really impressive. Yeah, and I think he—he's kind of—he—I mean, he had a hunger in the box, and he just. It was that late arriving run from the midfield that nobody tracked. And that's, I mean, so many times that that's for opposition teams and even for Real Madrid, it, that run is so difficult to mark. You've got to be 100% focused, mentally in tune, keeping track of your runners. And nobody on Sevilla did that. They just let Casemiro basically walk through, run through their back line. And uh, yeah, the finish, I mean, the first finish was cool as you like. I saw, uh, um, I think it was Alvaro Benito tweeted he called him Casemiro Casemiro Nazaria which I like <laughs> I think um <clears throat> Graham Graham Hunter asked the question on the broadcast that like um you kind of saw Casemiro go into that pseudo 10 role that he uh he's he traditionally went you know under Zidane with, yeah and like he pushes up the field and doesn't have much coverage and he noted that Sevilla allowed him to do that and didn't put pressure on him you know, leaving his post. But I will also just quickly remark that I I do like, <clears throat> I think we have to give a lot of credit to the way Zidane has had this team's defensive shape of play. Like, even if you look at those two goals, if you look where Mordic and Kroos are on those sequences, they're there to cover if, the, if they mm-hmm. lose the ball and if Casemiro gets caught out. So I think for all the laborious offense, um, we've had three nil-nil draws in the past month or something like that. Um, the team defense just continues to be good. They gave Sevilla nothing. I think even if you look at De Jong's goal that did stand, it was a series of uh, fortuitous bounces, uh, a handball that didn't get called, and some weird desperate defending from Real Madrid and a very, very difficult chance taken by De Jong that, that is not an easy chance to take at all. Um, and that was it. That Outside of that, they did, really did nothing. And Nasiri had a shot towards the end of the game. But again, this was defensively... I, I can't be overemphasized. Defensively, this team is at a level consistently that I have not seen in a long time. And even in 16-17, where they were they were winning like every game that was put towards them, a lot of it was just through offensive br- brilliance. But this is like there is a sound structure that I'm enjoying seeing right now that I think is an important thing to note. No, I I completely agree. I can't. I mean, I can't remember the last time we felt this secure with Real Madrid's defense and they just, I mean, I think Zidane realizes that 
he's obviously not going to be able to replace the goals that Cristiano scored. We don't have those players in our team right now. We just it, it's just not going to come. You're he's trying to get more goals from midfield, trying to get goals from other places, but obviously Jovic and Hazard haven't haven't brought the goals that uh, we had hoped for them to bring this summer to kind of up that up that number. And so he's prioritized the the the, the defense, and we're not. I mean, our XG in this game was one, literally exactly one to Sevilla's point zero three seven. So mm. we should have won this game. I mean, according to the XG, we would won this game one nothing, and like that's eking out the result, being solid defensively and getting the goal. I mean, getting the lone goal. That's kind of the with the players we have at the club right now. I think that's the right like that's the right system to build, and that's the right way to move forward as of right now. Until we get some other pieces, until guys like Rodrigo and Vinicius and all these young players develop further. We're just not ready to be that mega goal-scoring team that Real Madrid has historically been. And so uh, credit to Zidane for recognizing that and kind of playing to the team's strengths right now. And obviously with the the caveat that Ramos was not in the lineup and then obviously Hazard and Benzema yet to come back. So, um, oh, Benzema's back, sorry, today. And you, you immediately did notice that Benzema was dropping deep and kind of linking things up when he came on. But it should be noted, without Ramos today, what did you think of Militao's performance? So I thought Militao was great. And Lucas and I, Lucas Navarrete and I talked about this uh, the one weekend when your your son was being born, how Militao can just come in into the lineup no matter how cold he is in and out of the lineup and just puts in good performance after good performance. That's really, really difficult to do because you don't have that match rhythm. You don't have, uh, maybe you don't have that confidence because you're just in and out of the lineup, but he continues to perform well match after match. And uh, I've been, I mean, I've been really happy with what I've seen from him. I thought like his cover for Carvajal was pretty good in this game. Anytime Lucas Vasquez wasn't there to stop Regulon getting in the channels. Um, one of the, I mean, I mean, Regulon actually had this one sequence where he he does the underlap thing. He dribbles past Lucas Vasquez, and then he's at the top of the box, and Militao just comes through and just takes it from him. And yeah, uh, one of the few chances in the first half when Real Madrid weren't creating anything came from Regulon, an amazing interception, stepping out out of the back, and then all of a sudden he finds I think it was Modric, and there's like five free players, Real Madrid players in the final third, and Casemiro shoots it from distance and goes over the bar. Um, <clears throat> but he was really good. There was only one thing I think he had. He had this gamble in the 39th minute where he steps up, misses the ball, puts Real Madrid in a tough position. Then, he, But then he recovers like a complete freak because he hunts down <laughs> Regulon, blocks the cross, um, which was a gamble on its own because he left players open in the middle when he goes over to help Carvajal on that, on that side. <clears throat> But uh, ultimately, very good performance from him. Did and I you... thought, mm. well, I also thought that he was really good on the ball as well. He was really composed in possession, picked out his passes really well. Um, kind of reminded me a, a bit of Vallejo in some of those crisp, really sharp passes. Um, and so that's that's always encouraging as well because you need it from a Real Madrid center back. You need to be good on the ball. You need to be able to play out from the back. Mm. Um second best or second best passing accuracy on the team 91.3 percent um do we want to talk about vinicius's entrance i felt like you mentioned this on twitter too i felt like this was very very much how it felt watching vinicius last season when he first broke out under solari 
Yeah, it was. It was it was the 2018-2019 Vinicius. I mean, he 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 was just going at defense. You mentioned it. I mean, Sevilla were obviously down, so he had more space to um, kind of be free down that left flank and just run at defenders. And, oh, my God, he was a nightmare. He just – everything was coming off for him today, which was great. It, it, it was a relief. And uh, it's funny because Alex Bandanya, who we, who we spoke to midweek, kind of said how – man, he, he just wants to hug Vinicius and give him some confidence. And I, I felt like Zidane took a little bit more um, time with Vinicius on the sideline. I don't know if you sh- saw that cut when he was about to bring him on. He had his arm around him, giving him some advice. And it just felt like uh, he was talking to him a little bit more than usual. Vinicius looked amped up. He looks ready for it. Uh, probably felt important coming in with Benzema to try and change the game. Um, and he, I mean, he was just phenomenal. He, everything came off and so, so unlucky not to have, uh, an assist to Cruz there late in the second half. Uh, and it, it, he was just a joy to watch. And that's what he brings that kind of electric pace, that unpredictability. Like you, you just, defenders have no idea what he's going to do. And that makes him so difficult to play against. Um, <clears throat> I thought this thought pretty much everything that you just said, <laughs> basically, uh, as soon as he came on, is he was he was a spark plug. Um, I mean, part of the reason yeah. also was, as we mentioned, with Sevilla being down a goal at that time. If he if he starts this game, he doesn't have the same kind of space, and maybe he has a, has a similar game to Rodrigo. But he <clears throat> at that time, Jesus Navas had basically abandoned his post and was trying to get Sevilla an equalizing goal, which left Kunde by himself, the center back, to to defend Vinicius on his own. He was not having a fun time at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and one thing I noticed that, and this is something that we, uh, I remember just noting when I first saw Vinicius play, is that he has that Neymar ability to provoke people and get under yeah. their skin because of the way he plays, the flashiness, and sometimes unnecessary tricks, but also part of the reason why the game is so beautiful at times. Um, and he got under Jesus Navas' skin yeah, really badly. Yeah. And yeah. Remember yeah. when Navas like, kind of just pushed him for no yeah, reason? Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so good stuff from Vinicius all around, um, good energy and in an ideal scenario, an ideal game for him to come on. Uh, what else do you want to point out from this game? Well, I will say that I hope, uh, Vinicius pushes on from there. And I I thought it was interesting that, um, Zidane went for the Mende substitution as his final substitution, uh, taking out Marcelo. Yeah. And by the time he, he made that decision, it was one, one, it wasn't, they weren't winning. Yeah. Yeah, and so, and I thought Mendy performed really well. I don't know if it was maybe just because Marcelo is obviously coming back from injury, wants to get his fitness, didn't feel his fitness levels would be all the way up. But I think it was more um, to combat the substitution from Lopetegui, where he put on El Naziri, their new signing. Uh, I mean, we know how pacey he is, how strong he is, how fast. And so, Mendy is a guy who could definitely deal with him probably better than Marcelo. Yeah, and um, yeah, it was interesting because um, it, by the time so Zidane makes a decision to bring Mendy on for Marcelo, it's one-one, and by the time Mendy actually comes on the pitch, they had scored and made it two-one. So it was even a bit more assuring that maybe they don't need Marcelo's offense anymore. Marcelo was unfortunately a ghost in this game anyway. I think by the time he actually got a touch in the final third, it was like almost halftime, and Sevilla had locked him down. Um, uh. Lucas Vasquez. Yep. In a mailbag on Thursday, someone asked if 
about Lucas Vasquez and did they think there was a correlation between Real Madrid's results in the past month or two and Lucas Vasquez not being here? And uh, and this, the question also stated that they were being harsh and admittedly harsh and, and, even, and even suggesting that. And uh, and Lucas Lucas was pretty pretty confident in saying, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a correlation. Um, I definitely didn't think it. I don't think it hurts Real Madrid to have other better, more talented players on that flank as opposed to Lucas Vasquez because those said players who are very talented and do good offensive work are also underrated defensive players that can do what Lucas Vasquez does defensively. Uh, whether it be Bale, whether it be Rodrigo. Whether it be switching to that Isco diamond, um, I think in in this particular game, he uh, I don't think he was he was great. I don't think he did anything noteworthy. I don't think he had many important defensive inter- interventions. That's just kind of the way the game unfolded. He's obviously a part of the team's defensive shape, and he should, he should get credit for that. Um, I just didn't I just didn't think he was going to be the line breaking presence that you needed, and I and I. And I thought that he's he needs to come off basically um, sooner rather than later. And he ended up staying on the field beyond Rodrigo and yeah, was it Jovic the other one? So yeah, Jovic came out too. Yeah. Anyway, so what what did you think? Yeah, and I, I think I think Zidane did. I think his hand was kind of forced both both because he wanted to prevent uh, Regulon and Jesus Navas being so influential from the wings and because of just all the injuries and um, non-call-ups. But still, in my opinion, like I'd rather see Brahim get those minutes. I think Brahim can do the role that Lucas does and play put that work in defensively. And I think he can bring more, more end product. I, I'm just, I'm of the camp. I, I, I recognize that Lucas Vasquez has been a soldier for this club and um, puts the team above himself more often than not, but at the same time, I just I want to see some of these other young, exciting players get the opportunity, and I think they can do the job. And so I think that's where the frustration comes from fans. I think it's not that people don't like him as much. I think it's just that they kind of feel like Lucas Vasquez's time at the club is up, and there's some other younger, exciting players that could maybe make a much bigger impact if given the opportunity. And I think that's where the frustration is. I think in this match, especially, uh, Regulon was just ultra-aggressive on uh, Lucas. Like He would go hard into tackles to make sure he won the ball, and he did win the ball. And I thought um, he definitely got the better of Lucas in the first half. And even even his... I mean, I don't think Lucas really prevented Regulon that much from getting down the wing. And he had a ton of space, so I don't know that he even played his role to perfection. That being said, he did get the assist on the Casemiro second goal, so we got to give him credit there. That's true. Um, I think with so you mentioned Brahim. Brahim last season, in terms of line breaking, in terms of defending, was actually awesome. And yeah, I guess we should consider the, the asterisks behind those performances were when the season was done and dusted. But they were playing teams against. They were playing against teams that had a lot to fight for. There's that too. Um, I do wonder if like the plan with Brahim is to loan him out this winter, then maybe Zidane is saying, like, what's the point? Um, I, I kind of do wonder if there's something similar going on with Vallejo too, who wasn't even in the squad today for, for Wolves. And this was after Nuno Espirito Santo says, um, you know, that, that basically is has gone south. Like, this is, just did not work out. So 
And, yeah. I, and a similar thing, like if, if they're not going to be around, so why do we even play them for a few minutes here and there? What's the point? Um, one thing about Lucas is that I think a lot of people saw the lineup and saw that Jovic was there and saw that there was emphasis on the flanks and thought that this was going to be a, maybe a cross-marathon, cross-machine yeah. factory to, to Jovic. And uh, Vasquez only had five crosses, and the team as a whole had five, seven, nine, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen crosses altogether. So there wasn't much, and part of the reason was also because, like we mentioned at the top of the show, Sevilla just canceled out those those you know those runs down the flank and didn't allow for those crosses to happen. So I think also Jovic, unfortunately, wasn't a situation where they weren't really in a position to get him crosses either. So there's that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's anything else I really have, uh, unless you do. No, I think I think we covered it. Okay. Um, let's take a couple of Patreon questions slash comments. Patreon.com slash Madrid. Go there, pledge, get access to a bunch of bonus content. Um, Ian Marley, our patron, says, Our attack maybe want to pull out my hair today. This team badly needs something besides individual talent, and that goes down to Zizou. The whole front three was so out of sync, it was painful to watch. Credit to Casemiro, however. Man went into beast mode in the second half. Uh, Brandon Stevens also says, I'm super impressed that Zidane rolled out a starting lineup without Benzema, Valverde, and especially Ramos, and we still got this result against a tough fourth-place Sevilla team. Militao was superb in Ramos' stead, and Jovic proved he needs very few touches to impact the game. It appears his confidence has grown quite a bit in the last couple of matches, but it'd be nice to get him more involved when he's out there since he doesn't have the link-up ability of Benzema. How can we get him more involved when he's on the pitch? Hmm. So, I'll, I mean, I'll start with Ian Marley's question first. And I I think it, there was, you could see that the front three had very little chemistry. Like you pointed out earlier, Keon, that Rodrigo had a couple passes where Jovic was looking for him to play in behind, and he just they just they just didn't sync up at all, and uh, it, it just was really disjointed, disconnected, no no flow, no rhythm to their game. And um, but Brandon, as Brandon Stevens points out, I mean we were missing Benzema, we were missing Hazard, we forget about that, missing Bale. I mean, these are you would think the first three names in the if we're playing a four three three, and so um, we do. I think when we do put that perspective on this game, and maybe we haven't talked about that enough, like the fact that we're missing all these players, Fede Valverde as well. I mean, we're playing against the top three teams, Sevilla. I mean, they're, they've been fantastic this season. And we we got the result, and that's what matters, again, with a heavily rotated team. So I think that does uh, need to be pointed out. Um, one last one from Frederick Rantakiro. He says... Wow, just wow. How much of a genius is Zidane bringing back the classic Casemiro role as a false anchor with license to roam as a 10 just when we needed it the most? I was always skeptical of the role, but it finally paid off. Do you think this was what Zidane had in mind all along when creating the special Casemiro role? Hmm. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, I mean, the more I think about this, I think Zidane did give Casemiro license to to push up, to move forward. I mean, he was pressing all the way to the goalkeeper at certain times. So I think he did give him kind of free reign to let loose more so than, um, I mean, we've been talking about it all year, how he's had that much more uh, defensive role, has really truly been an anchor and hasn't been playing that 
false number nine, that 10 role that we always joked about. But today, uh, I think he was given license to let loose in the second half, and, and it worked. It did work. It did. It. Uh, I think we also got a little bit lucky that um, Sevilla didn't punish us in transition at all, and uh, the yeah. coverage was really good for him. Um, and uh, this was impressive also because Fede wasn't in the team, who was the one who has been so important in letting Casemiro kind of just be able to lift weights defensively, help him out, but also maybe you know have proper coverage because Cruz has actually played a bit deeper too. All um, these are all things that. Um, Again, make it more impressive because we talked about no Ramos, no Benzema, no Hazard, and also no Fetty today. So Fetty should be and back that, for the next game. Yeah. I think it's fair now. I was thinking about it during this game. I mean, when you're thinking about the number of like player projecting out, at, let's say at the beginning of the season, where your goals will come from, I think it's fair to say that you, you expect more goals from Casemiro than you do Luka Modric or Tony Cruz. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, so I think Kroos and Modric have this season have scored more goals yeah. than I thought they normally do. And I I remember mentioning this to Lucas that it was crazy to me that if you look at Luka Modric's goal history, it's actually quite quite low. Um, yeah, with it's like Real three Madrid. goals a year. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I I didn't realize it was that low until until I actually someone brought it up in one of the patron questions. I think. Um, Meanwhile, you look at Casemiro's like history with Porto, like scoring free kicks, scoring long range shots, and even with Real Madrid, you know, scoring long range goals in the Champions League. Um, set he pieces, gets some, headers, set pieces, yeah, yeah. Um, I still can't believe how how wide open Sevilla left him on that second goal. It was crazy to me. <laughs> yeah, and you saw it. Like I, I mean, before the goal even happened, you saw him making that run into the box, and he kind of just stood in the middle and waited. Yeah, and he was lurking there, and nobody marked it. I kind of expected the goal to happen. I was like, I was like, as long as you can get the cross, and he's right there, and it it happened. So let's wrap it up with some patron shout outs. Unless Matt, do you have any urging pressing things to bring up? Now is the time. Uh nope. nope, nope okay. Patreon.com slash managing Madrid. You get access to this week's uh Tuesday's loan track, which is gonna be a, a good one. Already some talking points in the Saturday's not even over yet. But um so make sure you get access to that on patreon.com slash managing Madrid. Thursday we have a mailbag and a bunch of other coverage. I believe the Copa del Rey game is Wednesday too. Um, yep. Yep. Uh, so that is also only for patrons. The post game show for for the Wednesday game. So make sure you get access. And Shout out. I'll also, uh, mm. Kian. I just want to add this too. Yeah. We're looking to potentially get uh, a couple guests on to talk about Rainer Jesus once that is uh, officially announced. Beautiful. And I've um, I've also written a kind of scouting report on Rainer Jesus, and I'm waiting for that official news to come out before I release that. Um, it may be may be announced as soon as this this week. So. Yeah, I'm hoping. I'm yeah. hoping. Um, all right. So shout out to our patrons that pledge ten dollars or more. As follows: Mikhail Nilsson, Frederick Sundros, John Fernandez, Said Mahad, Juan Balasia, zero one, um, Adam Dorsey, Frederick Rantakiro, Leon Stavernakis, Christian Gonzalez, Bjorn Salvador, Essa Hariri, Ilian Zako. Yahya Ibrahim, Willie Reed, Nick Ribeiro, Eric Rogers, Tyler Simon, Sad Omar, Olua Pamimo, Olu Dunjoy, Christian Toff, Charles Williams, Tarek Sphir, Kunal Tilakar, Marin Myrtle, Tyler Dixon, Raul Gutierrez, Raghav Puguri, Vicky Cohen, Gary Kohut, Sujaiwani, Peña Maradista, San Francisco Bay Area, Brennan Stevens, Castro Moscala, Catherine Fagundo, 
Zoran Bosnicic, Rafael Servia, Karen Scherer, Sumanchu Singh, Brendan Powers, Rovi Takiyev, Anthony Armesto, Shabazz Sharapov, Varun, Bernard Kufour, Ashik Bashar, AMB6901, Faisal Hamdan, Alex Perez, Muxi Thangal, Sergio Arispe, Graham Gerard, Basil Adil, Kevin Rivera, Magnus Lex, Jason Fitz, Solomon Ortiz, Fabian Moreno, Daniel Smith, and Philip Hammer. Thank you guys so much. List keeps growing. It's a pleasure um, putting out these podcasts for you guys all, and we really, really appreciate all your support. It's awesome. Thank you. Uh, until next time. Hala Marit. Hala Marit.